Fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about the conservative leadership election in Canada with my friend Vienno. Oh, joy. Can't wait to talk about this for the next, what, four months? Yep. <laughs> I'm not... I mean, there really is. That's pretty much what they're talking about all the time. There will be some, uh, you know, newer things to talk about today and so on. Uh, But the theme lately seems to be Ezra really focusing in on that conservative uh, election. And my guess is because he's like, ooh, maybe I can get into their good graces again. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's got to be it, right? Yeah. Uh, But how are you, Vieta? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's sunny out. It's nice. Been doing things, been existing. Um, yeah. How are you? I am exhausted, so it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I have been working nonstop for the campaign, but oddly enough, not the campaign for uh, my writing. I am uh, helping out with uh, Marjorie Knight's campaign out of Cambridge, and she's running against Belinda, the new blue person who's been on Rebel News before. So uh, it's very interesting. Although uh, I have to say the calls have been uh, pretty good. There hasn't been... I got my very first today, prior to recording, my very first uh, World Economic Forum uh, conspiracy theorist. <laughs> and uh, God. Yeah. He, he His first comment to me was like, did you know that Just, Justin Trudeau said that you will own nothing and be happy? And then I corrected him, and I said, actually, that wasn't Justin Trudeau. That was somebody who was vaguely associated with the World Economic Forum. And then he's like, no, it came from Trudeau. And we got this back and forth, and then he just wouldn't stop talking. So I was like, I got to go, and I hung up on him. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) But uh, it's been pretty good beyond that. That's been the one weird call that I've gotten, so... You've gotten a few, like, new blue people, though, right? No, I've only had, like, a, a couple people who were like, no, I'm voting new blue. But that's it. Like, like maybe two. Okay. Out of all the calls. I guess, and I've made thousands of calls at this point. I guess they're probably, like, mostly... Like, you're you're mostly calling people who are, like, slightly more likely to vote or volunteer or whatever? Only recently. Or is it just, like, generic everybody in the area? Early on, I was calling just generic everyone. We had like a general list and I was just like going through it. But uh, right now, I'm calling people who are either have voted for us in the past or like, you know, uh, or have indicated recently that they're voting mainly just, you know, to get out that vote and all that fun stuff. So, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. Yeah, for those who are going to be, hopefully I have this podcast out by then, but I have been pretty busy. But like the election is on Thursday for all of our ontario listeners and uh yeah i uh the least i could say i know like electoral politics everyone's eyes glaze over and all that fun stuff but like uh, doug ford sucks and so uh you know if you you have it in you to go to do the very least effort of like checking a box and hoping that they don't get government uh that would be good It's the least you can do to make things just slightly better. Just so ever so slightly better. But uh, I prefer better than worse, you know? Yep. 
And uh, on that, I hope I hope everything's going to be coherent on this show. But uh, as I said, I have been doing nothing but calling people for the past week. <laughs> past week and more, so my brain feels like mush. But we're going to try to do this. And uh, so uh, good luck, Vieto. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. Um, I'll start just like responding as if you are calling me with this sort of information. Um if if you like in the middle of the episode just talking like one of my callers, I would <laughs> I think I would have a mental break and uh <laughs> I don't know what would happen. But uh but yeah. Uh on that note, uh let's get on with the show. <laughs> Hello my rebels. Hello my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. We are covering the week of May 23rd to May 27th. And as we start on May 23rd, we get an entire day's worth of an interview with a guy named Manny Montenegreno. Now, I don't know if I've ever played you any Manny Montenegreno. In part because I, I think he's been on since you've been co-host. But, like, we probably only mentioned him in passing. He's a very boring dude. But back when we started the podcast, he was a way more frequent guest. And uh, the best I could say about him is he's just a run-of-the-mill Stephen Harper-era conservative. Uh, In fact, I think he worked in some capacity with Stephen Harper as either, like, an advisor or, like, part of, like, their legal team or something like this. Mm-hmm. But he has connections uh, with the conservative party. And I feel like what happened was as the pandemic started, Manny, since he is a lot older than Ezra as well, uh, you know, was taking the pandemic a little bit more seriously than Ezra was. And so even for like at the very beginning of the pandemic, his first few appearances seemed very antagonistic's the wrong way but like clearly he was not meshing with Ezra because he actually was cared about getting infected and like wanted to wear masks etc okay yeah now at least he, the part of the issue is after listening to this so that he gives he gives the entire episode to Manny which strikes me as weird because again he's just some boring old person why are we <laughs> listening to this guy and then i'm like Am I just imagining that past Manny? Because Manny now is kind of like uh, at least pro-trucker and like what happened in Ottawa. And the other thing I've noticed is in this, in the clips that I'm going to play you too when you listen to it, he sounds rough. Like he sounds like he aged exponentially since the last time he was on the show today. Uh And I don't, I almost feel like weird that Ezra is interviewing him because he's like a stammering old man now uh, in ways he wasn't before. 2020s have done weird things to people. Like... Yeah. So, like, I don't know if, like, I don't know, he could have had a stroke in the past two years and that's why he wasn't on Ezra's show or just, like, I have no clue. And, you know, all sympathies to people who suffer those things. Like, it's not... 
it's just like you'll notice when I play these clips. I just want to say that up at the front because you're going to hear extreme old man energy. And I just want to highlight that because I don't remember him this much old man energy from just even uh, two years ago. So he's on specifically because they want to talk about the conservative leadership race, which we've already like touched on. And he comes right out of the gate with something really weird. So he frames this as uh, that Canada is now anti-freedom. And because it's anti-freedom, according to many, it's repelling people away from Canada and towards Florida. We have seen the greatest attack on charter rights since the charter in 1983. And it is, it, what it does, the freedom and the charter does two things. If properly used, it beckons immigrants around the world come to Canada. It is a free country. You are leaving the oppression of the country that you're at. Come join us to build a great nation. So it's a beacon light, but it's also when not guarded carefully, it repels Canadians to, to other beacons. And we have seen a, a what I will call a, a historic, unprecedented attempts to leave Canada Particularly to Florida, I, I saw, Ezra, I don't know if you saw, I saw the governor mention yeah. that Florida is getting a bunch of new um, uh, citizens to Florida and many from Canada. They go on then to play a clip of Ron DeSantis saying like, uh, yeah, Canadians are coming to Florida. And that's their evidence <laughs> for this claim. But... <laughs> Listen, our friend, I, I don't know why I keep defaulting to saying our friend. Um, Who's the friend? Manny or Manny? Ronda? Yeah, <laughs> Manny. Uh, listen, our Manny. Um, listen, he's an old dude. He knows many people who have moved to Florida recently. <laughs> uh, and that, that must be evidence of a wider trend. I honestly, like, I tried to look up, like, Florida data that would indicate that, like, there's a surge of Canadians going there or anything, and that information was hard to come by. So, like, it was it was not fruitful, but I, I tried my best. Uh, it, they seem to mostly document it as, like, different categories that, like, they listed foreign, but it seemed to, like, foreign consisted of, like, Europe, but not Canada, and, like... I, I just couldn't figure out how the Florida statistics were being tracked such that they could keep track of Canadian uh, immigrants to, to Florida. But that being said, there was a report recently that showed that, like, there is, like, uh, not a repelling, but a movement of people out of Canada. And this category of people who are leaving are mostly within 18 to 34-year-olds and are young immigrants to uh, Canada and are leaving for the cited reasons that Canada's cost of living is too high and that there is uh, racial discrimination within Canada, which is why they're leaving. So I just wanted to frame that here, that there is people leaving Canada, but unlike Manny's hypothesis here, it's not because they're repelled by the anti-freedom in the freedom convoy, 
but likely because of the people in the Freedom Convoy are bigoted pieces of shit towards them. So, uh, just thought to... <laughs> just the thought I would put that out there. Ah, uh, but where are they moving to, Jody? Uh, you know... What if they're moving say. to the shining beacon of anti-racism, Florida? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good old Ronnie, Ronnie D is gonna promote anti-racism where they're currently banning crt uh no they're gonna they're gonna go join the florida swamp maoists uh, (laughs) that are gonna wage protracted people's war from the swamps that you know what if that was the case i am i am pro this movement let's (laughs) we need a protracted swamp people movement for sure yeah i agree as you could tell as well in that clip, like Manny, Manny's old. Manny, <laughs> he's he's stumbling over some things. So this, I'm going to play a long clip only because like I found it very hard to like, it, it, it's hard to take the old man stammering around to get the coherent point. But I did want to take this next clip because he tries to make like this weird argument. And I'll check in with you to see like how coherent that argument is. But it has to do with uh, Omar Qatar and uh, the truckers and like not just the truckers, but people who don't want to get vaccinated and the extent to which the charter was used to help or to hurt uh, each party. So uh, here we go, Manny. Take it away. Justin Trudeau stood up and and preached about Omar Qatar's charter rights. Mm-hmm. And what what happened with Omar Qatar? Very simply, he was a jihadist. He was a he pled guilty to murder. You couldn't get a more um, uh, debased Canadian right. who sat and fought against the troops. But he was brought to Guantanamo Bay, which is basically American territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Canada did not do in 2003 when they sent someone to interview him was read him his charter rights. Right. And now, Ezra, I'm going to be a little bit long on this, but I'll, I'll try to be, uh, be as quick as possible. In 2003, the status of the law in Canada when Omar Qatar was caught was he did not enjoy charter rights outside the boundaries of Canada. And so he did not, he could not bring the claim. But they brought a, a, a claim to the Supreme Court saying in certain circumstances, charter rights should apply, even if you're not on Canadian soil. And in 2010, the Supreme Court of Canada said, yes, his charter rights do apply in Guantanamo Bay. So then it was retroactively put back to 2003 when he was brought in. Now, that was a charter right violation. What What did the Canadian government do? Did they beat him? Did they intern him? They did nothing. They asked questions without giving him his charter rights pretty pretty minor yeah if you look at the egregious things that you can do with charter about uh, rights i just want to pause this this is a long clip so it might do with uh breaking this up into two here but like what is your sense already is is that an accurate sort of depiction of what happened to omar <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Like, no, obviously. You know, your dad gets killed in front of you, and then you get captured by American troops and tortured in the torture prison as a, what, like, 13-year-old? 
So he was 15 when he was in Afghanistan. But, uh, okay. But either way, still a child. Yeah, you know, uh, a teenager. And Canada allowed that to happen. I think that's probably the violation of the charter rights, was that we allowed our ally to torture a teenager for a long time. Yes, out of a conf- like a forced confession, when there's still no yeah. evidence that he actually uh, did the crime. Uh and and oh like God. I mean like it's amazing to me that like the two points that we just raised here which is the fact that he was a, a child and he was tortured by the US government and we decided as a government not to intervene when Manny was working with Stephen Harper right so they just let the American government torture this kid and uh then he's like, "Oh, but the only charter violation was we didn't we didn't ask him his charter rights or so whatever fucking <laughs> game he's playing while not bringing up the most important facts of uh, what happened to to Omar." You know, it's uh, depressing. But now now he's gonna bring it around in his old man convoluted way to connect this back up with uh, our current violations of rights. So here we go. Trudeau stood up and said his charter rights have been violated and he deserves something in my opinion if i argued it he would not have got a penny because simply there were no additional damages that canada caused omar Qatar. all the damages were done by america canada could not have taken them out but in any event he got 10 million dollars and i listened to prime minister trudeau when he gave a lecture to Canadians how important charter rights, even in this smallest of small cases, the charter prevailed and Omar Qatar got his charter right remedy. Right. Well, right now, six to seven million Canadians are actually being affected. They can't get on a plane. They can't go to work. They lost their jobs. Their bodies are being uh, taken over by the state. These is this is much more substantial charter violation than Omar Qatar mm-hmm. even saw from Canada. Mm-hmm. So so when you put the two together, what I mean, these Canadians did not murder anybody. They did right. not join Al Qaeda. Right. They did not come and try to kill other Canadian troops. All they wanted to do was go work in their home alone for the government. Yeah. I left that last piece in because I just, I was like, work at home alone for the government? What is Manny saying? What? Uh, I I feel that was what the old man portion of the brain was starting to kick in there. I mean, like, it's there the whole time, but that's, uh, he started to lose, uh, lose track of where he was going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, there's so much here in terms of, like, it's amazing to me to somehow compare and like there was elements in the beginning of this clip where you could start to see like the way he was saying things was almost like he was admitting that like america violated Omar's rights you know but like just like a weird sort of acknowledgement but then being like you know we may have uh, allowed the u.s to torture a child but now we're preventing people from riding on airplanes that's much worse. It's just amazing how warped these people's brains are. That, like, somehow, uh, you know, torture, 
uh, perfectly fine. We should have never given uh, Omar any money, but God forbid people not be able to to use a plane. That's violating their charter rights of movement. It's one of those like, yes, and it's for a specific reason in a like specific context. It's it's one of those things where like all of this shit would be solved if Trudeau had enacted like the emergency like pandemic restriction act or whatever like you know the one that's in the emergencies act that they're always railing over if he had done that beginning of the pandemic none of this would be like an issue because it's state of emergency time like yeah (sighs) i mean it's also like their charter right to movement doesn't specify what you have a right to move on it's not like the Mm -hmm. charter right of movement is like Thou shalt have tickets for airplanes. Because, <laughs> like, you know, when people were deciding what rights were... Well, I mean, like, when we came up with our charter of, of rights, like, planes were in existence. But, like, what they're talking about is the idea that, like, you can't be, like, restrained from movement. You could find other ways to get across this country. It might make it harder for you. But, like, there's many things that impede you from flying airplane. Like, money. It's not like mm-hmm. airplanes are free for everyone. Uh, but <laughs> but apparently the fact that you mandate it because of a health crisis, that's somehow violating your rights, you know? I think that's what the NDP should run on next election, is free airplanes for everyone. <laughs> we all get our own personal private jet? Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, that's not going to help the climate. <laughs> They're solar powered. All right then. Maybe we'll. I'll call Jag meet up. Jug meet up, and we'll we'll figure it out. All right. Okay. Sounds good. And- <laughs> thank you for, thank you for like agreeing to reach out to him for me. <laughs> oh my god, I should just. I call. He's like, hello, I'm Jug meet. It's like you don't know me, but uh, we need to cut a deal. Everyone gets a private jet. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's time One to- <laughs> develop solar powered airplanes. Two. One for every Canadian. <laughs> 40 elected, million 911s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So, <laughs> Manny, Manny then like continues on his like ranting about uh, Canadians having the rights taken away. And so he's really upset with the government freezing the protesters in Ottawa, like their bank accounts. And he says that this was the equivalent of the Soviet Union taking control over the banks. And uh, not quite. <laughs> and part of me is like, they didn't completely get rid of like banks in the Soviet Union, did they? Or like, you would know no, more but about the history. No, they were all like national. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you know, I wish Canada would. I wish we didn't have private banks. That would be kind of nice. But, uh, well, I mean, he, he then quotes Clarence Thomas <laughs> for, for evidence that somehow our public institutions are being corrupted by government. Or not public, but like private institutions, so like banks and corporations. And I just like, for one, Clarence Thomas, who's sitting on one of the most corrupt Supreme Courts <laughs> in all of American history, that's the person you're going to go to for evidence of like, uh, of the left corrupting things? Yeah, sure, bud. Sure, way to go. Mm. But uh, he then... <laughs> he then somehow goes from this to arguing against 
or not arguing against, but but trying to make an argument that we're like in Nazi Germany because our government is questioning people's like religious beliefs. And so I'm going to play this clip and let me uh, on the other side, let me know how close to reality you feel what Manny is saying is. The Charter of Rights, you know, basically, you know, shotgunned with three sections uh, being hold. I mean, Charter, uh, Section 2, the, 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 the Charter Right of uh, Freedom of Conscience. Mm-hmm. Ezra, right now, you know this. You know this. There are people that are going before the federal government and being interviewed about the religious status. Right. Uh, not in conference, but who are you? What do you believe in? Are you a Jew? Are you not a Jew? You know, this sounds like it's just terrible. Hmm. I mean, and, and questions and livelihoods are affected by this inquisition. I never had thought in my life that I would be seeing people questioned in those ways. Hmm. And so when you put it all together, I really do think we're at the darkest moment in Canadian history. Is this because a bunch of the, like, truck weirdos were wearing the, like, Holocaust, like, Nazi star, or Jewish star, Stars of David, on their shoulders? I honestly don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. The closest thing I can think of is more the, like, the preacher's? Like in Alberta and Hildebrandt in Ontario. But what's that got to do with Jewish people? I think he was trying to make it about Nazis to like make it like more stark. Although it's like, it's not like Hildebrandt or these other pastors were being questioned for their religion. Like we have bans on like Jehovah Witnesses depriving their children from getting blood transfusions in this country. So it's like, it's not like, like, religious beliefs do come into conflict with the law. Like, if if I were to start a religion today (laughs) called the kill everybody religion, okay, there's going to be laws that come into, come in, I mean, he was just talking, like, listen, obviously they're coming from an Islamic phobic position, but they were talking about jihad or people who want to go on some sort of, like, holy war and how they're terrorists and should be tortured that that's them being okay with the law coming down on people's religious beliefs is it not and yet you have a bunch of preachers wanting to spread disease and they're like no the government shall not intervene ever i just i just don't get it like i do not understand what point he was trying to aim <laughs> Because I don't think that it's what you're saying, because that sounds, I don't know, like, it's a little bit too much of a stretch, I think, compared to the words he said. Like... Yeah, but the thing is, the problem with the words he said is, they're so far from reality. Yeah, no, exactly. I want to see the one person who's been brought before the government and been like, what do you, what are your religious beliefs? (laughs) Are you a Jew? Yeah. The, like, it's amazing the, the uh, you know, the reactive mind, the, the sort of, like, aggrievement that they feel so under attack. And, like, the scenario that they just came up with 
we're struggling to even conceive of what the hell he's talking about, yet he sounds somewhat afraid of it, you know? It's the darkest we've ever been. This is the best. He ends it by saying this is the darkest Canada has ever been after him talking about some made-up scenario over something that isn't happening. <laughs> things are so bad right now. I mean, things are bad right now, but I also, like, I, I hate when people say this is, like, the darkest time in Canada. Like, you know, there have been some pretty bad stuff throughout most of the history of Canada. Mm-hmm. Many, many not great things. Yeah, I can't go back and put this, this one time. This once there was a, a two minute period in the nineteen twenties, <laughs> and that was the greatest time. That two minute period. I just picked an arbitrary time. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a a good time period. Um. Oof. Yeah, I got nothing. Yep. No, I mean, I couldn't... I had to go to arbitrary to... <laughs> um, probably sometime in, like, the 50s or 60s, though. But then, even then, no. Very much no. No. So... I mean, how do you even do that calculus? To... That's why, like, I boiled it down to two minutes. There was just a moment where everyone's thoughts aligned such that no one was thinking anything racist for that moment. And that was the best two, two minutes. minutes that long. Was, no. Well, that's why no it was way. just so random. Like it, like <laughs> it was just the universe converged for that two minutes. You know. I'll give you two seconds, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I will not give you two minutes. Fair. You know, maybe I was being generous, but uh, this is just a made-up scenario, so we can <laughs> we can move on. Uh, Many, many goes from this to then saying that there actually was no occupation in Ottawa. Uh, and I guess like I feel like he was making some sort of like metaphorical point that these people like actually weren't occupying. They were just coming, stopping by or <laughs> I don't quite know what he was getting at. And uh, Ezra, yeah, yes, ands uh, Manny's suggestion here. It says no one has been convicted yet. So. Uh, by that logic, everything was fine, you know? Notice how he has to say no one was convicted yet, because, like, many people have been charged. <laughs> mm. Just because none of them have been convicted yet, it was a peaceful rally. Manny, uh, Manny then says that he, uh, I guess Ezra wants to, to walk him through some of the conservative candidates, since that was, like, the main point of them talking. And for most of it, uh, Manny was promoting Pierre because of, course most of the the conservatives that go on rebel news seem to really like pierre polyev and so that's what we get from manny but then uh, ezra asks him about the other candidates and the only one that he had a, a lot more to say about was patrick ba brown and manny says that he really likes patrick brown the only reason he can't support him is because apparently during one of the debates uh patrick brown said he would enforce a no-fly zone over ukraine and I don't, uh, I don't remember hearing about this. And I didn't look it up, but I'm like, all right, fine, sure. Out of all the things to be mad at Patrick Brown for, uh, sure. <laughs> hey, they're talking. It's Pierre Patrick now. Gross. Yeah. And then I told you, <laughs> I made that prediction. Then we we end the the hour long interview because Manny. Uh, 
Manny said vote based on how uh, who the legacy media is attacking most. And since the legacy media is attacking Pierre the most, that's who you have to vote for. So uh, great political intuitions by Manny here. And then he ends by telling Ezra that he's going to reach out to Pierre and make sure that Pierre comes on Rebel News for a, a one-on-one with Ezra Levant. So who knows? We might have that to look forward to in the future. Hooray. Woohoo. So now we're on to May 24th, and uh, I'm going to play the clip without telling you uh, what's in the clip, because <laughs> why not? This is, uh, this is how he opens up on the 24th. And when we come back, we uh, I, I want to hear what you think of everything he just said. So here we go. This is the opening of the Tuesday show. Did you know that Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer is being prosecuted right now? Probably going to go to jail. That's my amateur assessment for lying to the FBI, for giving them false information about Donald Trump in an attempt to have them investigate Trump to embarrass him and to spread that embarrassment in the news media. What? Well, you, you didn't know that that bombshell trial was going on right now? It's not just any trial. It's the result of a government investigation by U.S. Attorney John Durham. And it's already proved that the U.S. government was spying on Donald Trump's political campaign. What? That's not on the CBC each night or the Globe and Mail? It's not. I checked. You'd, you'd think it would be covered around the clock. Ezra doesn't go on to cover it either. He just lays this out because he's going to get to what he really wants to talk about. But uh, have you heard? Do you have you heard anything about this? Do you does no. any of this ring any? So there is a reason why people aren't talking about this. Uh, in the first thing is that most of everything how we set it up is completely wrong, and we'll get to it in a second. <laughs> but the other reason why people are talking about this is because it. By the end of my explanation, you're going to realize this is. This is really not worth talking about. <laughs> okay. So do you remember uh, uh, William Barr? So Barr was uh, the chief. Uh, I want to say the chief of staff. Oh, not chief of staff. Oh, now my brain's freezing. But anyways, he was appointed by Donald Trump to be one of the the members of government. Attorney general. There. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. So William Barr was the attorney general. And he was appointed by Donald Trump specifically because William Barr believed in what was called the unitary executive theory, which was the idea that basically the president could do whatever the fuck he wants to. And because Donald Trump was being investigated uh, by Robert Mueller, he hired uh, William Barr because William Barr said that he believed the president could do whatever he wants. And he felt like that would be a good protection against the Mueller investigation. Right. So. William Barr then, after the Mueller report was released, and after the fallout that it didn't really come to much, even though I have read the report, and it is clear that Donald Trump did some pretty, uh, and and his campaign did some like nefarious stuff, uh, William Barr then decided to throw like a, a nugget or a bone to Donald Trump. He appointed this guy named John Durham to sort of investigate the investigation. Okay? Sure. <laughs> now, so that investigation was going on for a while. And then finally, out of nowhere, there was a charge that was laid against this guy named Sussman. Now, 
Sussman is being charged with lying to the FBI. And what it involves is during the election, Sussman came upon some data which showed that there was like some sort of DNS server link between the Trump administration and Alpha Bank, which had connections with the Russian government. And so he was like, this is interesting and sought a meeting with the FBI and gave him the information that he had. Now, Mm -hmm. it turns out that Sussman was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign. And what they're charging him with is basically lying by saying that he wasn't or that he came of his own volition and not a part of a campaign. That's what they're saying is the lie, even though he uh, it's it's kind of like clear based on the evidence that he he wasn't hiding the fact that he worked for Hillary Clinton. He just was coming on his own volition like it wasn't that campaign that sent him. So you could see that this is actually weird that you would want to bring charges against this guy, because what you're saying is like if you're working for a political campaign, you can never report a crime or else like you have to like tell everyone who you were like you don't want to tell i mean we might want this because screw the legal system but like the idea is like you don't want people to feel afraid coming forward with evidence they might have for fear that you're gonna like dig into all their background (laughs) about who they work for and like stuff like this uh so it's just weird on that front but then Think about what he's saying here. So I don't think that Sussman is actually going to be charged. I think they're they're going for the verdict. Uh, the jury is out now, and they're going to decide shortly whether he's guilty or not guilty. And even then, he's probably going to have like almost no uh, jail time for this. But Ezra thinks he's going away to jail for some reason. <laughs> Whoa, it's Jody from the future. And I have come back. To tell you, listener of this podcast, that Michael Sussman was in fact found not guilty. So, as I predicted, I was correct, and Ezra was incorrect. I also want to say, in terms of the election, I tell you to vote a bunch of times in this episode. It's already done. You can't vote anymore. The decision has already been made, and you must suffer the consequences. Now... Back to the past. Whoa! Not only that, think about what Ezra is saying here, because nothing in what I just explained to you indicates that somehow this data was wrong or incorrect or that it didn't show that Trump possibly had ties to the Russian government. None of, like, this case bears no, like, nothing to that. Like, there still might not be a connection to Russia through this, like, servers and accounts and stuff like this it's just that like nothing that ezra said (laughs) bears on that question and and whether sussman is guilty or not again does not bear on that question so this is just a fucking like it's absolutely nothing and that's why no one is covering it (laughs) and yet he he gets to go on here and just be like oh yeah there's this huge fucking groundbreaking case where like Hillary Clinton is fucking covering things up and they're gonna go to jail and it's a huge fucking thing (laughs) the main thing that I picked up on there was the demand that CBC and was it Globe and Mail or Global News? Globe and Mail I think should be covering this 24-7 oh yeah it's the biggest news which is a thing that I don't think either publication does for anything 
let alone a boring scandal in the U.S. No, but this is the biggest scandal because it's Hillary Clinton. And she's taking over. Don't it's you been <laughs> six years. Right? Can't we be done with it? No, she she Pokemon gold straight to their hearts. <laughs> and now she'll never come out. She's burrowed within. And she will remain there forever. And you're going to have to uh, deal with it. In Cedar no. Rapids. <laughs> I'm trying to bring up every Hillary Clinton meme that I <laughs> that I know. No, I agree. There there will be a day where the Clintons are no more. And they, they would be a good day, you know. Mm. There will be a day when Hillary is no more. We're gonna get Chelsea. Oh, That's well, gonna I... happen. We... Yeah, but she's easily to ignore. You know? For now. Oh. <laughs> what, when her parents die, she becomes more powerful? She... <laughs> yes, she absorbs their energy <laughs> and becomes the new Clinton monarch. So, the, <laughs> the next question is why is Ezra talking about this? Or why did he open up the episode? Because this is, this is kind of not what the episode was about. But he brought this up because he there was this report in the CBC that was based on some sort of security analysis that was talking about how the right-wing media in the States is a national security risk to Canada, and it cited Fox News. And Ezra thinks that, like, how dare, <laughs> how dare the CBC not cover the fact that this huge thing is happening with this, like, Sussman and the Hillary Clinton thing. How how dare they not cover that when they're covering this other report over here that's saying that, like, Fox News is a threat to Canadian democracy. And part of me is like, well, one, everything you said about the first story is wrong, and this one is an actual, like, security risk to a certain extent. Uh, and, of course, Ezra makes it about, like, you know... Uh, the worst security risk is the Canadian government, uh, their treatment on the poor truckers. And I'm like, no, like, the worst security threat is the fact that the truckers were whipped up by Fox News, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, or not just Fox News, but uh, related related media entities, like the one that we're covering right now. Yeah. Who get a lot of their talking points from Fox News. If <laughs> Well, and to guests on fox news sometimes and who yeah yeah good old ezra so the report then mentions uh this republican primary candidate uh suggesting so he won his primary and we'll get to who it is in a second and the report talks about how this is indicative of concerns surrounding american democracy and ezra wants to respond to it he pointed to a state Senator Doug Mastriano's recent win in the Republican primary for governor of Pennsylvania. Mastriano is a well-known proponent of the lie that election fraud caused former President Donald Trump's loss in 2020. There are serious risks of Democratic backsliding in the U.S., and at this point, that is not a theoretical risk, Juno said. So all of that is a serious threat to our sovereignty, to our security, and in some cases to our Democratic institutions, we need to rethink our relationship with the United States. So because some Republican, 
that these liberals don't like want, want a primary election. Democratic institutions are at risk because the election didn't go the way the liberals wanted. And the CBC says, they just say, they just assert that it's a lie, L-I-E, that there was an election fraud. Not that it's an error, not that it's an opinion, not that it's a matter uh, contested. They have decided it's a lie that there was election fraud in 2020. Was there election fraud in 2020? I mean, surely there was some. There always is in a large nation. It's amazing to me because when you listen back to the beginning of this clip, what the article said was the lie that the election fraud was is what won Biden over Trump. Not like whatever the fuck Ezra was saying at the or like was it there's gotta be some election fraud. There's gotta there's a big country. There's gotta be some election fraud. It's like no shit, Ezra. The lie is that somehow Biden won because of the election fraud. <laughs> but also, you know, January sixth and then the truckers calling for the overthrow of the Canadian government and you know Maybe these things relate somehow. Nope. 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 No overlap. That's America. This is Canada. Completely different places. Nope. This analysis person is just so crazy because conservatives don't do anything wrong ever. <laughs> just a silly assertion by biased news security researcher. I just, you know, is one thing pointing out just like the the obvious unwillingness of Ezra to admit to what the conservative movement is doing. It's just another thing to see him like flaunt these games so obviously in like immediately misreading the thing that he just read in a way that like tries to make it look silly. And it's like, but you just quoted it, you know, I heard it. <laughs> I didn't have to do any research on this take. You know, you just fucking said it. And yet, of course, again, their audience are prone to just ignore all that and just be like, yeah, oh my God, like the media is lying about all this stuff, man. There really is voter fraud. And that's worrying. Very worrying. Yep. So they mentioned in the report that Tucker Carlson uh, called Trudeau a Soviet dictator. And Ezra then sort of responds to the report calling him this by saying, well, he basically is. And then plays the clip of Alexa being hit by the uh, the uh, police in Ottawa and her crying and be like, they shot my reporter. <laughs> so uh, we're still getting play of that clip. So that's great. God. And the report also mentions the outsized influence of foreign funding of the truckers. And Ezra said that only a sliver of the funding came from the U.S. Now, the numbers are here, here are kind of like hard to track. But like, I do believe that the biggest donor source was from outside of Canada, even though a large chunk was still Canadian. So I think like more Canadians donated, but the money proportional, most of it, like the larger chunk came from America. I think so. Yeah, I honestly don't remember anymore. But like the hard, the reason why it's kind of hard to track that stuff is because there was different platforms that propped up as others fell. So it's hard to like take it as a whole. But I remember like this was from the Give Send Go account. Uh, the the I do remember those numbers holding up there. Yeah. 
So the report also mentioned that climate denial uh, is bad in the United States. And Ezra says <laughs> that climate change isn't real because the only evidence is a scary red map. Which I, I think he means like the ones that show that the climate across this planet is so hot in places where it shouldn't be that hot and where most of the planet looks red. Which... I'm sorry. It's a scary red map, Jody. It's scary and it's red. That's it. That's all they got. But it really is a scary red map. Like, (laughs) yeah, but that's all they got. They don't have anything else. It's just a scary red map. It doesn't mean anything. The red is just there for scare. Well, I want it to be too. Is like, what what does the data of the map represent such that it's scary? There's. (laughs) Well, instead of being green like land Um... always is, it's red, which is scary and bad. True. It has the the angry colors, so that's... Yeah. No, I feel you. Yeah. Ezra then says there have been no violent right-wing attacks in Canada, that there were no violent uh, attacks during the convoy, and that no weapons were found in Ottawa. Uh, So therefore, this report sucks, and it especially sucks because there was no mention of eco-terrorists who are mean to the, the logging companies and oil companies up north. So the report's wrong, and, uh, you know, right-wing terrorism. No no, no threat at all. Trust trust Ezra. Never happened. Not a thing. I, <laughs> I do love, though, what he talked about, like, weapons. He always has to specify Ottawa. <laughs> the weapons were not found in Ottawa, which is, like, technically true, but also misleading, since it mm-hmm. leaves out Coots, Alberta, where many weapons were found. And we will still have to wait to see how those court cases end up. So, We then uh, get an interview with uh, Avi Yamini. And, you know, the, so last episode you would have heard us talk about the fact that Avi was going to Davos to talk about the World Economic Forum. And it was not over. So I think it's ending or it just ended this past weekend. So uh, they would be back now and we'll probably hear more of the content next week. Uh, but they have Avi on midweek to talk about his like halfway point in Davos, and literally they say nothing. It's just like they're like Avi, you really, you really asked them some tough questions, right? And Avi's like, oh yeah, I asked them those tough questions. I'm just look at me, look at me walking those streets asking the tough questions. And then Ezra's like, oh man, we're really good. We're really, we're really asking them tough questions, you know. So uh, you know, it was great. It was a great interview. God. Uh, yep. So we get to May twenty fifth, and Ezra talks about a report. I don't know why he's just he's really on reports for for the past two days. He's on a report about the mental health of journalism employees. Because I guess like, I think it's in the Globe and Mail. They published this report talking about the mental health of journalist employees or like journalists and people employed in yeah. journalism. And this is Ezra's initial response to that coverage, all right? I saw this today from a Globe and Mail journalist. I was shocked, but not surprised. Christy Kirkup says, report details alarming levels of stress for mental health of Canadian journalists and media workers. Survey from November 1 and December 18th, 2021 revealed health impacts resulting from the events of the last four years, 69% report anxiety, 
46% report depression, 15% PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. That reporter linked to a press release, this one here. Press release says, alarming levels of stress, harming mental health of Canadian journalists and media workers. I'll get to the press release in a moment and we'll look at the underlying study too, but I think we already have enough information, don't we? You know what? It's been a tough couple of years for everyone, largely because of the media. If it weren't for the media shrieking about the virus and deaths and trauma and risk and danger and getting it all wrong, by the way, with no context, with no proportion, with no scientific knowledge, just absolutely engaging in fear porn for kicks, for clicks, to feel important, to feel they had an exciting story, to feel relevant, and to indulge their instinct of control and government authoritarianism. If you hadn't watched a single news story or read a single newspaper in the past two years, I promise you that unless you worked in a long-term care home, you literally would not have known that there was a pandemic afoot. You would not have known it were it not for the news media. I mean, it's not like anybody is related to the people who would die in a long-term care home. So there's no, no one would have known. A million people died in the U.S. so far. Like, That's how, funny. yeah, you know, just like, oh, all of them, no impact, nobody, nobody missed, nobody noticed, nobody, you know, like. But then also just like, the yeah, it's media's fault encouraging the targeting of media like etc and it's just like why does ezra feel like he has to be on the side of science why does he have to say that the science like that they got the science wrong type of thing when he's obviously not on the side of science and everybody kind of knows that like just be like oh science is evil and bad or something instead i just i don't know well he thinks he's pro-science the people he's against are public health officials that he doesn't think are real scientists they're government paid scientists and so they're going to do what the government wants them to that's sort of like the conservative narrative so it's like he still gets to pretend to be pro-science even though he holds that messed up position uh and it's just like i, I don't know like the thing that like bugs me about it is just like there's an element in which to refer to like what the media did as fear porn when like what is ezra if not fear porn <laughs> like that's that's his whole shtick you know and it's like i don't know i read some very level-headed non-fear inducing articles on the pandemic that actually like you know have ameliorated some of my concerns in some instances throughout this past two years. There's been some that have scared me, but like the writing of the article was not meant to evoke freaking you out. It just gave you a like an assessment of what's happening and what's happening is terrifying. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not that like they're prone to want to scare you and therefore make it fear porn, but that like sometimes reality is scary. Like, how, how, like, what does Ezra think, what does Ezra think people should do when they're reporting on things in the news that are uncomfortable? To just be like, either not do it or just be like, oh, it's, it's actually, everything's fine, don't worry. 
all, all is well. Yeah. Meanwhile, he gets to say, guess what? Everything you're doing is really a transhumanist project controlled by the WEF, and we're all going to die. Please donate That's to not our... That's scary. <laughs> Please uh, subscribe to our thing, pay money for more, so you get to know about Bill Gates and his evil Jeffrey Epstein pedophile plan for all of you. <laughs> God. <laughs> No, but what the media does, that's fear porn. So, you know, a lot of what happens in this episode is pretty bad. And uh, I I think I mentioned last week that I, I just started therapy. And, uh, you know, it's it's going pretty good. And it's just weird that now we're talking about trauma and PTSD on, <laughs> on an Ezra episode talking about this stuff. Weird how life uh, converges like this. But he, he does not deal with it uh, great, so he laughs at the idea that journalists suffer from PTSD, and he compares them to cops and firefighters and construction workers, and is basically like, oh, you think what you do, like, behind your desk all day, journalists, is, like, bad? like Or, like, so scary, you have PTSD? And, and I'm, initially, I'm just like, you know, does he not think journalism... Like, he sends his reporters where they get beaten by police all the time. Does he not think, like, that's, you know, journalism goes out there into the world? Was it last week or the week before that he was like, oh, whoa, this report saying that Canada is, like, a really dangerous place for journalists is so stupid or whatever, like. Yeah. It's right there. It's right there. Like. Well, I mean, Maybe most other journalists are also facing down worse shit than going to the front of a protest that you're participating in and having a rubber bullet bounce off of you. Well, he even gets to that right now where it's like the article he's citing actually lists the fact that one of the number one things that like is responsible for the PTSD and whatnot that journalists face is the fact that they're reporting on things that can cause PTSD, like, you know, going on a murder scene, uh, seeing people uh, in in poverty or domestic abuse situations, or, like, just various things in the world that, like, can have a deeply, uh, you know, emotional impact on you, you know, and mental impact on you. And he, he reads that and then, you know, uh, responds in the only way that Ezra can. Here's one line that caught my eye. Media workers face high rates of trauma, exposure, stories of death, injury, and suffering, two-thirds negatively affected by graphic disturbing stories. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. There's some bad stuff in the news. Um, how about don't publish it then? You're, you're doing it. You're choosing to do it. It would, it would be like you're a pornographer complaining about sexual content. Uh, then how about stop? News journalists complaining about publishing graphic disturbing stories. Yeah, then, then stop doing it. And stop doing it to the rest of us too. But they got to sell those papers. Stop reporting on the news? <laughs> what is he talking about? Listen, you can only you can only do news stories about cats getting rescued yeah. from trees. And... <laughs> like... Yeah, I... Don't do it. Like, I I want to, like, 
like I'm trying to think because like he he considers his enterprise here a journalistic enterprise. Like would he ever? It's it's all like I don't know. There's like a lack of just awareness of just like well you could also not not do this, Ezra. <laughs> no, but he's he's exposing real issues. Dear Unlike Lord. all of the rest of everything. I have I, I should uh interject here, which is just to say that like what what struck me when when getting to this piece was just that this was a week where we learned of a, a horrific shooting out of Texas, and not once did it come up at all on Ezra's show, which I'm glad, because I, I frankly don't want to hear Ezra talk about it. So like hey, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Ezra. But like th- that would be like a perfect case of like that's news. People should know about it. But, like, I can obviously see how that would have a traumatic experience, not just on, like, the people in that community, but the people who have to report on it and to listen to people's stories and to, like, you know. And for him, like, it, it's just weird, like, the confluence of him having this piece on his show right around the same time all this is happening and to just be like, I don't know, suck it up, journalists. Like, whatever. Like, if you don't like tragedy, then don't do it. And like just stop then stop doing tragedy yeah <laughs> just stop tragedy yeah stop it from happening it's just uh yeah it's really messed up but then, then of course you know what so uh you know just stop doing it and uh he he <laughs> he then again plays the clip of alexa being shot being like all you reporters out there think you have it so hard with being heckled and covering tragedy? Well, my journalist got shot. <laughs> I gotta play that clip again and again and again. Please donate to my show. Here's the woman on my team crying again. It's lovely. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's a lot. So uh, I will say he he gets he sort of like at least reads this part, but doesn't get into it. But a lot of the testimonies given by the journalists as well complained about upper management and about how like the uh, stresses in like having to meet a deadline and also being pushed to like go get the story and stuff like this is part of the contributing factor of like uh, post-traumatic stress and stuff like this. And while this I'm reading, hearing Ezra and like learning about this, it, it just struck me like. We, we talk about this jokingly about, like, Menzies, but also, like, you know, Alexa being shot. Well, quote-unquote shot. Like, his journalists get physically abused by the situations that Ezra puts them in. <laughs> and in a way, he's Ezra is the contributor to the culture that causes the PTSD and the stress. He's the exact same fucking thing. So, yeah. of course, he would downplay it. Well, like, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, like... He's contributing to the culture as well that gets, like, other journalists assaulted and yelled at and, you know, spat on and whatever else. And then also, yeah, he's sending his own quote-unquote journalists in to get abused as well. And then, like, playing that up when they do so that it's like, oh, wow. And then playing, you know, downplaying the, the trauma here by being like, oh, you're just a journalist, suck it up. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. Very, like, weirdly uh, meta segment, but, uh, yeah. Uh, who would have thought that Ezra would have been this shitty on mental health? 
But there you have it. Uh, we then move on to the interview segment, which is with a guy we've covered before uh, recently named Alex Epstein, who's a climate change denialist. And I don't have any clips because the interview was largely boring, but I have some of his key takeaways. So, Vieno, I'm, I'm curious what you think about these. The, the first is they make an analogy with fossil fuel companies to cigarette companies and complain that what the cigarette companies did uh, was wrong or what they got wrong was that they eventually were open about the harm their product caused. That instead, mm. oil companies should just be like, we are good, goddammit, rather than like capitulate and say they are the lesser evil. <laughs> okay. You know. And the reason for them thinking they're the lesser evil, because part of the argument is that uh, the world oil is a net good for the planet. Like it helps people live and thrive. So therefore getting rid of it would like actually harm more people. Uh, and that's why they should just be adamant that it's good and ignore all of the negative effects that it might have. Are you following me? <sighs> Yeah, no, I'm listening. I'm hearing this. I just... Okay, that is kind of what they're already doing. I mean, at one point, Alex argues that fossil fuels are not just bad for the climate, but are good for the climate. That fossil fuels have reduced climate-related deaths by 98%. And... What is a climate-related death? I think what he's suggesting is that somehow, like, now that we have air conditioning or, like, heating, people aren't dying from the cold or the heat as much as they used to. Mm. <laughs> okay. But uh, he gave no numbers other than this 98% figure. And I'm like, over what time frame? Like, are we going all the way back to before houses? Or, <laughs> like, what's <laughs> what's the time interval here? Like, I don't... It reduced it by 98%, you know? Uh-huh. I, you sound unconvinced, but I will... <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not so far, unfortunately. Keep trying, though. So his argument is that fossil fuel benefits outweigh the fossil fuel harms, that removing fossil fuels will actually be a net negative, also that fossil fuels will actually make the planet more livable, even if they contribute to warming the planet. So because of the air conditioning and stuff, so it's like... We could just heat the planet up continuously, but like True. we will have the oil to build air conditioners, so we'll, everything will be fine, Vienna. I see nothing yeah. wrong with this plan. So, yeah, and oil is forever, right? Like we're not gonna run out. What? Yeah, it's it yeah. literally it rains down from God's nipples on <laughs> onto his sweet children. You know? So yeah, exactly. It's never going away. And you know, we obviously need and want that. We want. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. This one got me. <laughs> a warmer planet? Yeah, I can live with that. It's We're in a heat wave right now. I can survive this, you know? It's good. It's fine. Well, like immediately when I was listening to them talk, I thought about what was happening in uh, India recently with their yeah. like, se severe uh, heat wave, you know. Well, and how air conditioning exacerbates that so much because... It cools the inside, but it heats up the outside up to like two degrees Fahrenheit more um, than it would be otherwise. So it makes regular heat waves significantly worse, as well as putting like more strain on the electrical grid and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then like, you know, 
Great. Woohoo. Yeah, so, uh, yep, Alex Epstein sucks, and Ezra sucks for platforming him, and, uh, but, like, I mean, it's not surprising. They they joke because uh, Alex Epstein is a bit more extreme than Ezra, because Ezra wrote, wrote his ethical oil book, which, if anything, says that, like, well, even if you think that oil is bad, it's at least more ethical than it's, like, uh, competitors or, like, different countries of where you get it, etc. And, uh, Epstein just goes, no, nah, fuck that. It's uh, <laughs> oil is good, and we need to defend it till we all die from heat death. So that's fun. True. Oil forever. Now, I don't normally do this, but something happened on the show that made me chuckle a little. So I, th- I thought for some levity, I will play you this random clip that happened. And it was right as the mailbag segment uh, happened, right after the Alex Epstein interview. So, uh... Here you go, Vienno. Here's here's a little, a quick and short treat. Hey, welcome back, your viewer mail, Lobster Boy. I'm guessing that's not the name your mama gave you. Lobster Boy? I'm guessing that's not the name your mama gave you. <laughs> I don't know why that got me. I, I think it was just after the, the delirium of listening to <laughs> Yeah. Lobster Boy. <laughs> Lobster Boy? And then I was like... I didn't realize till after, and I was like, you know, it's probably some, like, Jordan Peterson reference, but, uh, either way, it's not the name his mama gave him. <laughs> I think the next person was, like, Keith, and then he goes, I think that was the name your mama gave you. <laughs> and probably. So, um, uh, so yes, uh, shout out to Lobster Boy, uh, I'm glad you had your whatever minutes of fame. We Then we get to May 26th. And May 26th was another entire episode interview, but most of it was boring. It was with the conservative candidate, Roman Baber, who did a full sit-down with Ezra. And they spent over half of the interview talking about how Canada is like the Soviet Union because of all their lockdowns and restrictions— and Roman would know because he immigrated from a Soviet country. So uh, that's that's what we get for the first 40 minutes. And I don't really care. So we're going to ignore most of the interview <laughs> and move on. We've already heard this. We don't need to hear it anymore. So yeah. Uh, he also, <laughs> they, he, there was one funny moment where Ezra asks him why like no one objected to like the lockdowns. And Roman said, because of cancel culture. So uh, <laughs> everyone was afraid of being canceled, which is why no one spoke up about how bad the lockdowns were. So shout out to cancel culture. Now, at Thank wo- God. <laughs> at one point... Really it- helping us with this one. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, if it could keeps disease denialists from speaking up, like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of for cancel culture at that point. Ezra... At one point, so they finally move on to other issues. And one thing that we have been covering is that Ezra has theories about how immigrants affect both housing and wages. So he somehow thinks that the more immigrants you have show up, that means more people competing for the houses and the prices go up or something. It's not clear to me how he thinks this works, but uh, he somehow thinks that that works that way. He also thinks that somehow you get immigrants in and the wages will just go down magically. Even though uh, we have looked at papers before on the show where, like, 
there's absolutely zero evidence that that's the case. Over many of the countries that have had immigrants enter them, wages pretty much stay the same. Uh, there's a net zero effect on wages because of immigration. So these are things that he has said on the show. And I'm going to play this clip in part because Roman's answer is going to be kind of surprising. But I want to say just up front that he's a piece of shit. Remember the whole 40 minutes beforehand about this is a Soviet Union, COVID isn't real, blah, 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 blah. So yeah. this might make Roman look a little good. I just want to frame it that he is a piece of shit still. So let's let's hear how Roman responds to Ezra's xenophobia. I don't think that's as big as the second factor, which is immigration. If you have 400,000, three, 400,000 people a year coming to Canada, which is higher than almost any other country in the, in the G20, and half of them are going to Toronto or Vancouver, there's no way you're going to keep up. There's no, I mean, you just adding that many people to the, the, the biggest cities, it's going to, it's going to jam them up and it's going to, if it doesn't push down wages, it'll certainly push up housing. Do you have, are you, do you have anything uh, to say about immigration levels, or is that something that is off the political table? I think uh, that Canada's multiculturalism and pluralism is a beautiful thing. I'm an immigrant to Canada. I came here when I was 15, and I've had every blessing our country had to offer. Um, and, and my family and myself were, to, were able to contribute positively to, to our country, and I still hope to continue to do that. Um, I think that, um, you know, Canadian values are not just welcoming, but why do immigrants come to Canada? They come here for democracy and economic opportunity. Those are conservative values. And I think that it's important for the Conservative Party to um, dispel uh, any history of, of being anti-immigration and embrace lawful, legal immigration. Uh, at the same time, I think it's a necessary thing for Canada because we have an aging demographic and we have a shrinking labor force. The, one of the greatest challenges that we're experiencing today is, is, in that, is, is the size of the labor force. Um, thankfully, uh, everyone's hiring. And, and that is because a lot of folks left or retired from the labor force. So we need to encourage uh, more uh, entry into the market and, and skilled labor, uh, immigrants, young people is something that we need to be looking at. It's the only way we can catch up with demand in the labor market. So I, I wanted to play that only because it was interesting to me that like, of course, some of the language here I don't ascribe to in like the, the lawful and legal or like things like yeah. this, right? But like, it, it's just interesting the contrast where like Ezra really like laid it on thick with the anti-immigrant sentiment and how like house prices and like Roman just didn't take the bait and like instead went like uh, pro-immigration and it's good to have immigrants. And in fact, we need immigrants because unlike Ezra's weird idea that it's going to make wages like fall flat, we actually need workers because of our aging population, right? Like uh, all of that is true, even though I disagree with some of the, the, the particulars, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he also came out really strongly against um, Bill 96 in Quebec. Like I didn't actually watch the conservative French language debate, but like, they were saying that he was the most against it type of thing, too. So, yeah, just, like, interesting positions this guy holds. 
Yeah, which is weird in contrast with the anti-COVID stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the other thing that like was fascinating because like at one point uh, Ezra challenged him or wanted him to say like negative things about some of the other candidates, and, mm-hmm. and he wanted him to say something negative about Patrick Brown, and Roman said he doesn't want to. He says he's not going to attack any of his opponents because he's like, at the end of the day, he wants to support whoever wins the leadership race and not cause division, which is like, fine, whatever. But then the one nice thing that he said about Patrick Brown was he said he does appreciate Brown's outreach to ethnic communities within both his riding and across Canada. And I thought that that was like interesting in contrast to uh, uh, Maxime Bernier. (laughs) who said almost the exact opposite uh, when he was on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. So, I like, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. That just kind of shocked me. Again, I would never vote for this guy in a million years. But, uh, you know, uh, at least in terms of, of immigration, he seems a lot better than some of the other people that are on that platform right now. So, yeah. Uh, so, yes, cool for that. And that alone. But we now move on to the final day, the Friday, May 27th. And uh, honestly, nothing happened in this episode. Ezra plays a sinister a sinister clip about how uh, there's biomedical chipping and he fear mongers about transhumanism and how Bill Gates is going to turn us all into androids. And uh, I just, I do not care, my lord. <laughs> they're coming for us, Vienna. The World Economic Forum, they're going to chip all our brains and we're all going to die. They're, they're going to get us. The best part, like at one point he talks about this bill called Bill S7, which he claims will allow border agents to search your phone. And I'm pretty sure they can already do that. Well, this is the thing. I had that same thought. So I looked up Bill S7 and it it looked like the additions were about allowing border agents to search your phone. Okay, so then I I was like, okay, well, let's see what the... uh, the act said before so i went back to see what it said before and the funny thing is is i think the bill actually makes it harder for border agents to search your phone because the wording difference is that uh in the first one it just says you could just search their phone and in the sex- second uh the the bill s7 version is about uh you need to have like a reasonable like some reason to want to do it so yeah they could come up with whatever reason as well. You know what I mean? But like, if anything, it's it's adds a, a limiting factor. <laughs> and yet Ezra is trying to say that, no, this actually now gives the border agents the ability to just search your phone. <laughs> oh, my God, Ezra. So, uh, so that was that episode. I guess we got the transhumanism and they're going to take your phones at the border. And then we get an interview with Rupa Subramanya of the National Post. And she's on here to uh, talk about the World Economic Forum. Uh, you know, someone who works for the same newspaper that was uh, owned by Conrad Black, who was on the show last week, who also was a member of the World Economic Forum. Uh, she wants to come here and claim that the, the World Economic Forum, they're, they're trying to... Uh, uh, you know, take away all of our freedoms and you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And uh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. They also spent a lot of time focusing because I guess 
there's a, t- a tiny like portion of the Canadian budget that goes to help fund the conference in Davos. Okay. Yeah. And it's like really tiny. I think it came to like $3 million like at the end, which like in the budget is like a really small thing. Yeah. Yeah. But their argument is that we're, we're, we're suffering from inflation right now. How <laughs> the inflation is so bad. Why didn't they like renege and not send the money? And I'm like, it's a budget line. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they can renege on that. It was already like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that you can, but they, they made a, a big deal about it. And uh, again, I don't care. <laughs> <sighs> like, should we be spending that three? Like, they should have the personal pay Jody $3 million fund and give it to me instead of the World Economic Forum. And I guarantee you, I would stimulate the economy way more with that money than the World Economic Forum would. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, don't, I don't care. Get, call Jogamate about that one too. That'll so, be the next election promise. Uh, solar give Jody suicide $3 million. Plans, solar yeah. suicide planes and $3 million. For everyone. For Jody. Oh, for me. Just for, yeah, you get three million. You have to fix the economy with it, though. By driving the plane into things? <laughs> no, no, no. These are separate things. Make the money you, happy. You, I fly the plane into the money and then. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you just have to rebuild after the 40 million 9 11. <laughs> you get three million dollars to do that. Okay. Sign me up. <laughs> it's like a time to trial. You get the three billion dollars, <laughs> and you have six weeks to fix the country enough that it can withstand <laughs> the forty million nine eleven. It's like a, it's like a video game. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's game. This is how we gamify the world. I'm down. Yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, I'm not good at video games, so good luck, everyone. just because we briefly touched on it and it made me think of it um it's an article from time uh called western architecture is making india's heat waves worse it touches briefly on the um on the like air conditioning issue but then also just how like awful mainstream western western architecture in terms of like skyscrapers and like you know these concrete structures are just awful for hot countries um and it also like gets a little bit into like how that was uh, those structures and like the like more traditional styles of building were lost or lessened um particularly as recently as the 90s um was like when it really started but you know gotta make the money happy so Gotta do stupid stuff. Uh, but it's an interesting article. Um, and, you know, something to, to consider. 
considering that we are in our own, you know, weird heatwave times and also, you know, we're hopefully going to be building stuff considering housing shortage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, sure would be nice if it were good given our own climate context. Um, but yeah, good article. That's all I got. Cool. I I feel uh, loopy. I hope this uh, episode was coherent. <laughs> but uh, hopefully future episodes will be uh, less loopy because I will get sleep and uh, will not be on the phone all day. Uh, prior to recording so hope, hopefully that happens so go go vote thursday i i hope i will have this episode before thursday i don't know when i'm gonna edit it but i will i'm going to make sure that i do it before thursday somehow but uh uh but yes if you yeah <laughs> my brain's already broken dear lord if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over at patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have a discord set up. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 PM Eastern standard time. Unless we're recording this podcast like today, because we're lacking the time <laughs> and you can find videos on our YouTube channel and you can find all the links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle with the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. Thank you for listening. And the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign of 2016, you are officially over. It's done. We can move on now. You have been canceled. We're free. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.